0: Good morning. Let's be honest, shall we? (laughs) Is that a no? What is? (laughs) Y'all are there? Let's be honest, shall we? Are you tired? Let me have you raise your hand if you're tired. Right? (laughs) Hands down. Let's go ahead and continue this another step. How many of you are busy all the time? Busy. Okay. Hands down. Went into a coffee shop not too long ago. And I knew the person who was working behind the register, and so I said, well y'all are uh y'all y'all are busy." He said, "Oh no, 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 don't say that." <laughs> I said, "Why not?" And he said, "Because if you say or we say that we're busy, then it just gets busier, And I suspect that what happens is when somebody uses that term, they all start paying attention to how busy they really are, so uh fair to say that most of us are busy. I had the occasion not too long ago to, uh, and I'm going to tell you more about this shortly, but uh, I sat in a room with a guy who was working on a a, a doctoral research project relative to stress and especially stress with pastors. And uh, he gave me, or us, this little measuring tool to see just how stressed one is. So let me give you the background on it before I come to that. Uh, he took this from some of his research, from, and uh, particularly a guy named Richard Swinson, who is a medical doctor, and wrote, here's the title of the book, Margin, Restoring Emotional, Physical, Financial, and Time Reserves to Overloaded Lives. And uh, that might be something for you to read, but if you're too busy to read it, you might think about getting it on, uh, download a podcast or something that somebody reads it to you. But here's where he took that for us. There is a five question inventory that one takes to determine just how stressed they are. It's based on this basic truth, the the interworkings of power and load. Here's the two terms. Power essentially means those resources that you bring to daily living. So that may be things like your energy or your skills or time that you have or training that you've uh, received. It's emotional, physical strength. It's faith, it's the financial support that you have coming into situation. That's the power part of it. All of us have a certain amount of power we bring to a situation. The other side of it, the load is really just the opposite of that. Those, the things that are of the load are the things that keep you uh, held back. So for instance, uh, your work may well be the load that you carry or problems that you're dealing with, obligations and commitments that you have, uh, expectations that are put on you, whether your own or somebody else is putting them there, financial stuff like debt and those kind of things, deadlines, interpersonal conflicts, that's load. Power is what you bring to it. Load is what pulls away from you. And the intersection of those is what this little inventory was about. Here's what he said. After taking this, There are five of those. If you have three or more, you are likely extremely stressed. If you have all five of those, you are probably at the point of distress. And distress is such a severe case of stress, if you will, that by the time you figure out that's what you have, it may well be too late to do anything about it. You want to take a guess on where I scored on that thing? None of your business. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I scored a five on that, and I'm not necessarily proud of that. It just is what it is, but it's not sufficient to be what it will be. So, I want to I want to kind of lay this in your lap because my strong suspicion is that the majority of us in here today are bordering between just flat-out stress and distress, being so under it. The the load is so pulling from your power that you're in danger of going under. Maybe to help underscore this, uh, we'll let this musician talk about it. Johnny Diaz is his name. Check out the video. So, can you relate to at least part of that? Most of us, I suggest, can Exodus chapter 20 is where I'd like for you to go. While you're turning, I want to give you a little background on why I was in the meeting where that whole subject about being stressed or distressed came to be. I received an email um, early part of the summer. I was one of 50 pastors in the state of Texas who received this. It was from... a a doctoral student at Truett Seminary, Baylor University. And he was inviting senior pastors across the state, or that group of 50 across the state, to be guinea pigs in his doctoral research project that was specifically designed to the effect of stress on senior pastors uh, in the state of Texas. So I was one of 11 who... uh, Followed through with that enough, the reason I did is because I could sense that I was at the breaking point of of really healthy functioning. Uh, I was um, tired all the time, I was stressed all the time, and uh, I sensed a certain amount of spiritual dryness and about the time that came in, I prayed through it, and so I decided to be a part of. Uh, of that project. And so one of the things that he has done, the, the whole intent of this research project was to get pastors to observe Sabbath on a regular basis and then track the results of that. So here's the deal. I know that we're 21st century Baptist. We might kind of dumb that down a little bit and say we're New Testament Christians, most of us. And any discussion of any of the Ten Commandments or the law of the Old Testament, many of us will immediately jump to, yeah, but you know we're we're on this side of the cross, and so we're not held to the law, and so we don't do any of that, especially not Sabbath. Here's one of the reasons I think that's true for us. First of all, there's enough truth in it that we need to be careful how we speak into it. But uh, I think that one of the reasons that we reject Sabbath... Well, let let me go ahead and finish the thought. We reject Sabbath usually. That is that, and we're going to talk about what it is today, but we reject that because we say, well, we're on this side of the cross, but it's not a theological reason that most of us reject that. Most of it is because we live in a society that raises busyness to a virtue. And you listen to people as you talk to them and you ask some pointed questions, including this one. So how's it going for you? Listen to how many times you get some variation of, I'm busy. And we use that like it's a virtue. But I think maybe scripture might argue for us to have a different answer as it relates to what our virtues are. It's interesting that we reject that one of the Ten Commandments, but we embrace the one that says don't murder people. I I have every bit as much an opportunity to murder people on a daily basis as I have to take Sabbath, and some days murder seems like a great option, doesn't it? So why do we accept the majority of the other Ten Commandments but don't really give much time to Sabbath? Maybe it's because we don't understand it. So I want to try to take a little bit of time today, and I want to try to reduce it down, even from what I did in the first service. I mean, yeah, the first service today to see if I can hang a few things out there and challenge you to jump in on Sabbath. One of the things that I, I think is the best way for us to say this is that we need to create margins in our lives. So that we have space. You remember the old days of school, some of you are old enough to be out of school. Those of you who are in school, think to those pieces of notebook paper that you use. I don't know how it is now there. I know in my office I use a lot of those you know, writing uh, pads and you rip them off and all that kind of stuff. But And they have them, most of them have them, these twin red lines that run down about an inch inside the left-hand margin. Okay? Those of you teachers, y'all still use those in school? Okay? Why? It's a mental thing for me. Okay? So I go to write on that thing and I know that the rules are you can't write on the left side of the red lines. And I'm not sure who made that rule, but I know it's a rule because I have lots of different pages where I don't write over in the left-hand margin for some reason. I bought one of those writing pads one time, actually a whole stack of them, that didn't have the lines on the left-hand side. And I did it on purpose because I knew that if I bought a piece of paper that didn't have lines on the left side, I could write on the whole paper. And that is a metaphor for how we do our time. If we don't build in margins, we will pack full the calendar that we have. On the way to church this morning, my wife clutched it. She gave the perfect answer to this question. My question to her is the same one I'm going to throw to you. You don't have to answer to me. I already have the right answer. Okay, so the question is, was to her, so tomorrow's Labor Day. We're off work. What's the plan? Now, before you answer, too late for some of you, before you answer, think about what you plan on doing tomorrow. Her answer was rest. Now, most of the time, most people in our day and age will take a holiday and fill it up. We fill it up with stuff that's different from non-holiday stuff, but it's stuff. When do you rest? When does the world in which we live, 21st century American society, when do we rest? And what is the long-term effect on us? And here's the answer to that, distress. And nobody is immune to that. So let's look at Sabbath, and let's look at Sabbath as a way of building margins into your life. Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 8, we read these words, "'Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy.'" Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and restored on the seventh day and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And just so that we get this right, let me make sure that we understand understand the overflow or the flow of the Ten Commandments. The first four, really I'm going to say the first three, are directly tied to our vertical relationship. How we will, how I will interact with God himself. And so we have those first three. You go back and read them. I'm not going to take the time this morning. That has to do with my relationship with God. Just So you know the Ten Commandments, part of the law, is where God says to the children of Israel through Moses at Mount Sinai, here are the rules of our relationship. This is how we will relate. And so God starts off with this condensation of the law and says the first three have specific importance with how you and I relate with one another. The last six are tied specifically to how we relate to other people. Don't steal other people's stuff. Don't covet other people's stuff. So you can go back and read what all of those are too. So catch that, the vertical and the horizontal. But this one here, number four, is the one that actually is kind of a middle ground between the two. And I'll kind of try to uh, justify that statement before we're done today. But it has much to do with our relationship with God And it has much to do with how we relate with one another. It's interesting the transition that God uses with this particular one. So let's come to discuss what is Sabbath. Because I think one of the reasons that that we get a little bit uh, nervous about this and defensive about this is because we have preconceived notions about what Sabbath is. Simply stated, the word here is From a verb that essentially means to rest, to cease, to desist. It's a day of stopping. When Teresa and I went to Israel, uh, just really a a couple of a handful of weeks before we moved here, and we were there for the better part of two weeks, two weeks plus actually, and. So, we were there for two different observances in Israel of Sabbath, and the first time that we were the, or the first time it came around that we were on that tour, I was intrigued with the way our tour guide was handling himself and handling our schedule for the most part. He was kind of laid back, you know they do that all the time, so they have the tour uh, on a pretty good time clock, and it flows fairly. Uh, smoothly, but on this particular day, going into the Sabbath night, because the Sabbath starts at sundown, and so that whole day, he kept pushing and pushing, we got to get such and such, we got to get such, and I didn't totally get that until Sabbath, the sundown came, and all of a sudden, all of Israel stopped. Now, it's an interesting thing, because Israel, as a rule, these days, is really not a very religious country, kind of like America. Uh, but they still have this thread that runs through. Now, all of these centuries where when it comes time for the Sabbath, they pick up off of this and off of their teachings from their rabbis, and all of the world <laughs> stops for them in Israel. There are some things that continue to go on, I'm sure, behind the scenes, but I want you to know even the elevators in our uh, the, one of the motels we stayed in Uh, you had to go to a certain elevator on Sabbath because it was designed not to break the Sabbath. It wouldn't go multiple stories at one time. It would just do one at a time and stop because multiple at one time would be work. Sabbath, the word here means to stop. So I wonder how often in your life and your schedule you just build in a stop. And I think the way we have um, adjusted this, maybe, the closest thing I can figure out is not Sunday church. Um, but maybe it's when we go on vacation. It's like when we go on vacation, and then we try to make everything stop. But even that we can't really do, right? Because we have cell phones that keep us in the loop and those kind of deals. How long has it been since you built in a stop. Verses 9 through 11 kind of give us a little context on that. I'm not going to go back and read all of those now, but the word essentially means to stop, which drives us then to the next really, I think, probably the most important word of this little section. It's in verse 8. It's the first word. It's the one that we translate as remember. In the Hebrew language, the syntax of this is such that it's written as if somebody's shouting it. It's the most emphatic Way of saying something forcefully. So in in other words, it's like God has given this to Moses and God knows that Moses is going to go down to where all the people are and he's going to start telling them and they're going to go to sleep. And so he says, yell them at them this one thing. Remember. Well, that's, well, let's stop for a second before I move on. We've had Brandon here, and Sarah's with him. Mackenzie's with them. Brandon and Sarah will be married in a couple of weeks, right? Two weeks from today. As a matter of fact, it'll all be over. It'll be hopeless at this point for her. And um, um, so one of the things, they've been here this weekend. One of the things that we've done is we've had some family discussions, and Sarah is trying to fill in blanks of Brandon's childhood. And so a question here or there, and then we'll fill it in and let her know just how psycho he is. And, um, <laughs> so it's good for her to fill in those blanks, our family life, and she needs to know what she's getting into with all of us. Um, but it's good for us because it gives us the opportunity to look backwards and you know, just kind of pause and look back and connect dots of our family life. Those, that's important for you to do with your family as well us to do as a church. you know I, I was having a conversation with somebody this week and the reality is that what has been history of this church six, seven years ago, many of you in here, maybe half of you in here don't know that history of even three or four years ago. It's important that we rehearse our history with each other. but that's not the word here. This is more than just, oh yeah, remembering that that passing, glance backward that's more than that this is a word that is used that essentially says to be mindful of to pay attention to and it always elicits a response that's an interesting thing because you can remember passively but there are some things that you remember that get you charged up right like the time you got a ticket and you didn't deserve it <laughs> let's put it on the positive spin Like the time that God jumped into the middle of your situation and bailed you out. That's the word. It's that memory, that glance backward that becomes a stare backwards that moves you. So, in other words, when we talk about Sabbath, I think as it's intended for us, this is not some religious excuse to take a nap. This is an active, mentally active, spiritually active remembering that goes backwards. It's to be mindful of something, to pay close attention to it. Brandon and I yesterday hung an awning off the back of our house. We're hoping when we get home, the bricks are all still there and the awning's hanging. But one of the things that we had to work hard on, the the bigger part of the whole job was such that we had... I I shouldn't have said that. My insurance agent's sitting in here. So... um, (laughs) The whole thing was for us to spend the right amount of time with careful attention to where each of those brackets were so that we hung it correctly so that you didn't have it, you know, all different heights. It needs to be on a line. It needs to be solid. It needs to be able to hold the weight, all of those things. So it took attention for us. That's the word here. But this word is used with that kind of attention looking backwards. This is not a passive kind of passing glance. This is to study backwards. With that in mind, maybe we should say, or we'll figure out what it is that we're supposed to remember specifically. And so verse 11 really lays this out for us. For and Because here in verse 11, what we find is God giving to Moses, Moses giving to the children of Israel, the basis for why they should remember the Sabbath. Or better said, remember on the Sabbath. And it's tied to creation. So, Spencer, in just a minute, I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 2. All right? So, it's tied to creation. Listen to verse 11. He says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. And so, that's a reference backwards to the book of Genesis and creation and God and all that he did. Let me just ask you for a second. You remember what... It says in the creation account, at the end of each day, there's a little tag about what God thought about what he did. And God, on the evening and the morning were the first day, and it was good. Okay, keep that in mind. Because we get to chapter 2, verse 1, it says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. Let me stop and ask you this. Why did God rest? Was he just exhausted? The, the answer to that is no. Okay. In, ca- in case you're sitting there going, oh, that's a stumper, I'm not really sure. Uh, no. Pretty sure God never gets exhausted. So what does this mean then? You see, we so quickly just read over it, memorize it, and it never seeps in what's going on there. So let's let it seep in this morning. And the language of the creation account needs to be instructive for us here. Carefully, God makes a note in the written record, and it was good, and it was good. And it was good. And it was good. I don't know how many I've said, so he does that six times. Right? Six times? No. He says that five times. Because not the woman, the end of creation, man, woman, and everything together. The context says, and God looked at that, and he said, that is fantabulous. That is incredible. Look at what I did. The way he writes that last one is just packed with emotion and focus. It's it's just God looks at the whole thing and he says, man, that is awesome. And then he rested. Why rest? So one of our theological studies would say or suggest that the reason he rested was because he was finished with creation. I disagree with that. I think that the finishing act of creation was the rest. In other words, I think that after the six days, there was still one last element of creation that needed to be put in place, and that was that God modeled for us what resting is. And all of creation needs rest. That kind of rest. We have seasons, don't we? And so, what we get here, I think, is is this basic presentation. Well, maybe I should give you the crowning piece of this. When it says rested here, the Hebrew word involves taking delight in. So, it's not like God needed a nap, it is that God stepped back from it all. And he took delight in it. It was good. It was better than good. It was as good as good gets. And so, stay with me here because I think there's an important point. By including as one of the Ten Commandments, as part of the, the whole drilling down of the law to the bedrock of it, these 10 commandments, these 10 words that, uh, that we find in the book of Exodus and then again in Deuteronomy, which is a whole other thing we'll get to. But when all of that comes together, what we find in the connection between those two, Exodus reminds us that for in six days, and he pushes us back to creation and says, essentially, God did it, you do it. Stop. Rest, but rest is this intentional delight that comes from remembering. So how's your Sabbath experience? Is this a concept that is kind of fresh today? Or is it something that's part of the rhythm of your life? I think that one of the things that Christianity in the 21st century American landscape must fight is buying into a value system that says more is better, busy is better, and never gives the opportunity to stop and rest. What a great time for a sermon like this on Labor Day where we celebrate the work of American society. So, let me give you a couple of insights, and I'll be done. So I get involved in this project that this guy, by the way, his name is Matt Holmeyer. Um, and Matt has laid out this project in such that I was required every week for at least a half a day, but preferably a whole day. Interesting, he had to make the allowance for some preachers not to be able to take a whole day to spend with God. But at least half a day if, and preferably a whole day to just Sabbath. And then he wanted us to write down our observations. And he gave us some kind of a pointers and certain things to look for if, over this five-week section. I'll go to Waco on Friday of this week to finalize the whole thing. And, uh, and so one of the things that I found was a thread through all of these five different weeks of doing this was... By taking time out, it it gave me the opportunity to remember and the whole theme of what we were singing about earlier, the grace of God. I started seeing that all over the place. So here's the deal. When we're working all the time, we're busy all the time, we miss stuff. And we come to church and we're reminded because people make good videos and people write good songs. But the reality is the grace of God is all around us every day. And it's amazing to me. I was a five out of five on the distress scale. And it's amazing to me on a week-to-week basis as I, ju- as I spent time doing this, I began to sense a lot of that just floating away. So I went out on the back porch one day after a rain. It happened to be the day of this um, Sabbath experience. And so I just sat out on the back porch. And I, it, it's like the smell of the new, um, not new creation, I guess, but just after the rain, you know, all the stuff that happens, and birds start getting busy again, and wasps start working again, and all that stuff, and squirrels are all over the place, and my dog's tormented by. Uh, lizards, and it's just like, it was like renewal. But I wouldn't have done that if I'd have been doing the stuff I wanted to do that day, which was work. And so I began to see this thread. And I'll embarrass my son here, but part of that as I've done this, walk through this process, and they've gotten closer to their wedding date, Um, I was reflecting on the grace of God in sending Sarah into Brandon's life. She's got a lot of work to do with him. But he's a better man today than he was two years ago. You see, God's graces are in some of the most unsuspecting places for us. So one of the things that margins give us is that blank space in your life. You know you're not supposed to write in it, so it just stays blank, and God fills it up for you. Not with activity, not with stuff, but with his presence. So another emphasis we had was taken from the Genesis stuff that I read earlier and the the call to use Sabbath as a point of delight as God enjoyed his creation, so we remember the Sabbath and delight and so part of the instructions were to to find something that you would be doing if you could just do anything that you know you'd got delight from and so because mine 's illegal no i 'm just kidding um, i, I 'm just that 's totally a joke. Um, Don't come up to me afterwards and say, okay, what is it that's... It's a joke, okay. Uh, I went to the movies, and I don't go to the movies very often. I certainly... um, Well, in this case, I went to see Star Trek, the newest Star Trek, okay? If you haven't seen it, save your money. Um, It's clean, clean enough, I suppose. Uh, It's just cheesy. Um, And so... Here's the deal. Here's what you're going to fight, okay? You decide you're going to take part in some of the stuff we're talking about here and build Sabbath into the margins of your life. Uh, As I sat in the movie theater, all I could think about was how I was wasting time. All I could think about was all the work that I needed to be doing. You know, Sunday comes on a regular basis for preachers, there's always another Sunday right around the corner. So I'm sitting on a Friday in the movie theater going, I really could be at home, you know, making a sermon better or, you know, working at the house or working at the church or whatever. And I was doing all that stuff and I kept, and I'll be honest with you, okay, I'm not proud of this, but what kept me there was my obligation to the guy in Waco, not my obligation to the guy who gave me the day in the first place. And so I fought it and I fought it and finally the movie was over and I thought, okay, now I can, and I walk out and as I'm going to my car, somebody yells at me. And I look up, and it's one of our deacons and his wife. They're sitting in their truck, waiting to go in to see a different movie. And the first question they asked me was, you always go to the movie by yourself? And my answer was, I always go with all of my friends, so yeah. <laughs> no, not So... And that my answer really, the true answer was no, not really and so th- I felt obligated to tell them what was going on and, and it's, it, I was almost apologetic about taking the time off to do something that I took delight in that's why I was in such distress is because I can think of a hundred reasons not to take it easy I can think of Lots of reasons not to do Sabbath. And they're all tied to productivity. But God finished the creation. He sat back and he enjoyed it. How long since you enjoyed a meal? Now, Brandon's going to culinary school. I love it when they come see us because we get food. (laughs) And you know, he's teaching me. They are teaching me to slow down when you eat. Because food actually tastes good. But you see when we're living on the run and we're sucking down McDonald's, (laughs) you want to suck it down instead of eat it because it doesn't (laughs) taste good. So take delight. But one of the best ways to take delight in this world is to be connected with the one who created this world. And then little things, a run, a hike, or just sitting in your living room reading a book can be Sabbath for you as long as you're doing it to see what God has done for you. So the last one, and I have to just mention this and go, Brian, you can come on up, but the last one is really taken out of the book of Deuteronomy. and we don't have time to go over there. So you go look at the Deuteronomy account of the Ten Commandments and you'll find that it's different. There it says that it's to be based on remembering their time as slaves in Egypt. So I find it interesting that while they were wandering the wilderness, God took them all the way back to creation and said, You do this because I took pleasure in my creation. That's part of what this day is for you, for you to rest, to stop so that you can see my hand and enjoy and appreciate what I've done. So by the time we get to Deuteronomy and they're about to go into the promised land, scholars tell us, by the way, that the the children of Israel really didn't get a hold of this whole idea of Sabbath until centuries later when they went off into captivity in Babylon. That seems to be the place where they come back to these things. Here in Exodus, it says, remember the Sabbath. In Deuteronomy, it says, observe the Sabbath. And so it was not until they were way off in captivity and they couldn't do their normal worship and their, their land was taken from them and they were expatriates and they were away, that in that case, God said, observe the, ca- the Sabbath to keep it holy as the Lord has commanded you. And then he goes on to explain they were to remember their time away from home as slaves in Egypt. Now they're away from home and conquered people in Babylon. And they begin to pick it up. And they go back to Deuteronomy and it begins to speak to them in their situation. How long has it been since you stopped, in light of your current situation, looking backwards and seeing the hand of God? Margins are critical. For us let's pray and as we pray what do you do with this I'm smart enough to know that some people will hear a sermon like this and walk away going okay I need to do that I'm going to do that because it's the religious thing to do don't do it for that reason it's not religious at all this is all about relationship it is on this fertile, fertile ground That God meets us and overcomes the busy schedules that we are intent in having. So today, if you're tired, if you're worn out, if you're distressed, stop. Just stop. Take a day. Let God be God. Father, use the time to honor your name in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.